the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM, more stimulating talk, San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I got an email from Zach. Zach sent me an email. He says, hello, Rob. After listening to your program since you've come on the air with Talk 910, I've decided to take your advice and start putting money into my 401k. I'm only 23, but after listening to you, I know, now know that the sooner I start, the better. I started putting about 10% in, but I'm not sure where to allocate the funds. My employer is going through Putnam Investments, and there are a variety of choices, such as money market mutual funds, large growth, large value. So I was wondering where you would allocate, given the choices. Also, I want to thank you for the advice that you give out. It really has pushed me in the direction, um, and I'm sure many other people benefit from your advice. I do hope Talk 910 keeps you around, as you're a blast to listen to, even when you aren't talking about financial issues. All right. Yeah, I, I did gratuitously toot my own horn there. And who doesn't like tooting their own horn? Um, but Zach, uh, that's very cool. I, these kind of emails thrill me. Because for the 45-year-old person who hasn't saved anything, they're going to work till the day they die. And that's sad. They're going to be eating cat food, and that's sad. They've lived a delusion. It's sad. But for Zach, Zach's going to retire with millions of dollars. Maybe not millions, but definitely a million. If he just does that 401k, 10 to 15% of your money into the 401k. And, you know, I got into that 10 to 15% mindset a little bit differently. I, I saved $166 a month when I was 18 years old. Before I bought beer, before I bought gasoline, before I paid for college textbooks, I saved $166. It was that important to me. I don't want to work till the day I die. At some point in time, I want to, you know, raise a son. I want to watch all of his soccer games instead of being too busy to, to go to the soccer games. Oh, God, I'm going to go Harry Chapin on you. The child arrived just the other day. That song always makes me cry. I'm a big old sentimental wuss these days. I, I need some, I think I need some antidepressants. If any of you pharmaceutical salespeople have antidepressants, send them to Clear Channel, 340 Towns, in care of Rob Black Show. Also, I'm collecting fingernails and toenails if anyone wants to send those to me. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Five, six, three, nine. So back to Zach real quick. Um, Zach, you don't want a money market fund. A money market fund's too conservative. You're 23 years old. You want to you accumulate assets. Now, you can look at the last 10 years and you'll say, well, in the last 10 years, you didn't make a lot of money by accumulating assets. No, you didn't. But that's why if, it, if you invested when you were 13 to 23, you accumulated a lot of assets. And now what you're hoping for is 23 through 43, 53, 63, those assets grow. So you accumulate. Now, you mentioned that they're, they're offering large cap and value and large cap growth. So what I would do is I'd come up with a pie. And who doesn't like pie? And uh, I love pie. Good apple cinnamon pie. Fantastic. So my favorite pie chart, how much pie I've eaten this month. Um, so, Zach, start a, a little pie chart. And I think you want to put 
20% into large cap, 20% into mid cap, 20% into small cap, 20% into international, and 20% into some sort of balanced or value or or income fund. Now, at that point in time, you've got your, your five allocations. Now, in your large cap, I said 20%, right? So if you have two choices, large cap growth or large cap value, you do 10% each. Now, if you have a balanced, you can just do the 20% because it's both it's both growth and value. So you're, you may have five choices. You ultimately may have two large, two small, two mid, both value and growth, value and growth, value and growth. So you may have eight choices. So at this point in time, I'd say let's cut down a little bit on the mid and the small. So do 20 large, 15 mid, 15 small. Take that extra 10 that you're cutting from both the mid and small and throw that into international. So I could take up to 30% international. I got no problem with that. I don't think you have to be right. I think you have to be uh, Scrooge McDuck. You know, you accumulate. You're in the process now of of playing Monopoly. You want to accumulate properties. You want to accumulate. Later in the game, those properties are going to pay off for you. You want to accumulate the assets. Later in your life, they're going to pay off for you. You don't have to be 100% right. You don't have to be up 33% this year. If the market's up 33%, you should be up 33%. But maybe, maybe not because the market's the S&P 500, so it's large cap. Small cap and mid cap probably won't keep pace with that. International may double that. So you don't want to just keep up with what you see on the news. You want to figure out, I need to save a lot of money. And you need to save two, dollars to $3,000, $4,000 a year. You do that and you're buying stocks and bonds I think you're going to end up very wealthy. So you're in that accumulate assets phase. So that's what I would be focusing in on at this point in time. Instead of trying to be right, just play the game. And then you're 23. Like, figure out how to marry right. First marriage is going to be expensive. Second marriage is going to be brutal. So keep that in mind. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. You can always email me, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. And we have a, a live interactive chat room going on right now at talk910.com, talk910.com, where you can see our intern. She's making funny faces at the camera. Um, you can see her at talk910.com. Is it Laura Beth? Is that, wow, I'm so, I've never remembered anyone's name. I'm awful at remembering people's names. It's honestly, I just, you know why I do that? I, I don't remember people's names because I only got so, I only can hold four thoughts in my head. So I, I try not to hold people's head uh, thoughts in my head. Speaking of inside my head, um, video, video games. I've been playing that Bioshock 2 late at night. Fun video game. So again, I don't play it during the business day. I don't play it during family time. I'll play it at night. Um, deep, deep dark night. Little darkness, little, little shot of whiskey next to you. It's always good. Um, anyway, the video card that I have, I've got the new ATI 5870. Super fast, right? If I wasn't going to go with the ATI, I was going to go with the NVIDIA video card because it's going to make my game experience more in-depth. And this is a game where you go underwater and you're in the underwater utopia and or dystopia. And it's it's imagination's fantastic. So I feel like I'm in a movie. That's that's the, the, the thrill of it. So NVIDIA was upgraded today to buy from hold. They make the semiconductors that make video games enjoyable. Now, some people think down the road that Intel is going to slip and that maybe NVIDIA will be involved in every computer because the technology is pushing that direction with 3D and everything else. So NVIDIA is in a good position for potential growth. I'm not saying we go there. But anyway, possibility of higher corporate margins as non-PC businesses grow. They've got um, the product line Tegra and Tesla 
which is meant for the corporate world for massive supercomputing, um, you know, making dinosaur movies kind of thing. Their GPU margin should recover with a ramp of Fermi. Um, and chipsets, which are very low margin business, are starting to disappear. They're starting to get out of that business. So what analyst says NVIDIA is likely to regain performance leadership as Fermi-based cards launch in the first half of this year? Here's the kicker. Getting video game technology right is brutal. It's so freaking fracking high end. It's crazy high end. So if you slip on the architecture and let's say your card melts or you slip on the architecture and let's say your card uh, fragments images, no one's going to buy it. Video gamers are enthusiasts. They're super high end and they know what's the best card out there is. Now, again, I just threw down some big bucks on a product that's going to be outdated in a year. I don't mind. I make the big bucks. For the average person, I don't recommend buying the highest end technology because I think it's a, f- a foolish move. But NVIDIA is going to somewhat offset the decline of the Intel chipsets they're losing by selling low end GPUs compatible with Intel. Now, something that's happened this year, it's become damn evident. Apple's using their own semiconductor for their iPad. Qualcomm semiconductors are everywhere in phones now. They've got a great architecture that really supports video on phones. The PC is starting to age. The desktop PC has too much damn power. It's too much. Heidi likes to go home and watch Comedy Central. She likes watching that John Stewart. She says, John Stewart tickles me. She doesn't need a super high-end desktop to do that anymore because the technology is there. Now, the question is, what are we going to be doing with technology 5, 10, 15 years down the road? That's another big question. But anyway, NVIDIA gets a nice upgrade today. I'm not telling you to go out and invest in it. I just want to tell a story about video games and you know how you can look at your lifestyle and sometimes see some investments that are pretty darn obvious. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Coming up, I'm going to be talking to a certified financial analyst, Linda Descano. She's a chief administrative officer for Women & Company. We're going to talk women in investing, women in investing. We're going to talk about 12 minutes about that. Talk about um, some of the angles that are unique to women. Take a break here. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Don't need all my other lady deals. I'm begging for this little lady because I tell you she's I'm Rob Black. We've got a new intern working the computers today, and she's kind of funny. She's dancing in front of the live blog camera. Entertaining, to say the least. You can find that live blog at talk910.com, talk910.com. Joining me now, it's a repeat guest. That's always a good thing, (laughs) because if I don't like a guest, they don't come back a second time. It's Linda Descano. She's a CFA. She's with Women in Company. How are you, Linda? Very well. Good morning, Rob. Good morning to you. Now, one of my favorite topics is women. Because in the world of investing, women live longer. My mom's outlived my dad by 16 years. We didn't plan that, or they didn't plan correctly. And it's a huge topic because every boy loves his mother, and you want to do right by women. Um, How's that for an opening? That's a great opening, Rob. I couldn't invest for better. Now, tell me a little bit about Women in Company before we get into your content. 
Sure. Women in Company is a community for financially-minded women who are looking to expand their financial knowledge, learn from the experiences of other women, and share their own financial insights. We like to say it's where women, wealth, and wisdom meet. The TV show Mad Men is set in the 1960s, and it really shows you that Back then, we were a male-dominated economy. Women stayed at home with the kids. They knew nothing about the money. But flash forward 50 years, and and things are changing quickly, and it's good to see. It really has, and you're so right. I mean, over the, the past decade, let alone 20 or 30 years, the role of women in the household has morphed from dealing with the daily financial chores like balancing the checkbook and paying the bills to really one as the chief financial officer and more and more women, while they're still handling the, the daily finances, are also driving many of the conversations around retirement planning, you know, and longer-term goals. Now, you just came out with a survey that's really talking about some of the financial lessons that you're learning and how uh, women are, they, they dominate our economy now. Uh, many, many, many years ago, back in 72, about 400,000 women-owned businesses. Now there's 8 million female-owned businesses. So, they're not just an economic powerhouse at home with financial knowledge. They're an economic powerhouse in the working world. That's uh, absolutely uh, the case. And, you know, we have found through our research on and talking to women that uh, not only are they making so many of the uh, decisions with respect to their career and, and in their professional roles, but uh, more and more women are, are also uh, taking charge of finances within their household as well. And, you know, in fact, two-thirds of the women we spoke with uh, self-describe themselves as the chief financial officer. And they're not just talking about money at home. They're talking about money and their financial values and lessons through the, the uh, recent downturn with uh, friends and, and coworkers. To women today, talking about money is less taboo than it was pre-recession. The thing that I love about my job, Linda, is that literally people will call the show and I'll say, how much money you got? What's your 401k? Are you, are you doing the match? Do you know what a Roth is? People will talk money with me, but they won't talk money with their loved ones, which is well, intimidating. It's true, and uh, what we did find in our 2008 survey that, you know, women were talking about money with their immediate family and particularly with with their daughters, which was interesting because when we, we asked women what did their moms talk to them about, and it was, well, marriage and family, money wasn't on the radar, and in one generation, we saw money go from off the radar to topic number one between mothers and daughters, but today... You know, um, over 80% of the women we spoke with said, you know what, we have a responsibility to talk to not just our daughters and our our spouse or partner, but uh, to other family members, friends, and colleagues. So we are seeing that uh, more and more commonplace. Women are much more comfortable and not just talking about money, but, but teaching financial values as well. Earlier, well, last week, actually, I had a, a female caller calling, 45 years old, and she owns a, a pet grooming business, makes $70,000 a year. In the Bay Area, she can't save anything for retirement. It's crazy. Um, she said that she's expecting to get some money from an inheritance. How, how would you, and I said, how much is it? She goes, I don't know. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. How would you role play this, Linda? How would you teach her to talk to mom and dad about what might be coming and or what might not be coming down the road? 
Well, I think it's in, important for her to open a, a, a conversation, and, and it's not about blame, but just saying, you know, that as she's taken stock of where she is financially, given everything that, you know, uh, has gone on and thinks about her future, she wants to be a resource to them to help them think about their future and what plans that, that they've made um, and so that she can help them, make sh- you know, help them hopefully plan that their money doesn't, uh, that they don't outlive their money. And I think it's also fair to ask them about um, have they made plans for their estate, what are they doing, and not about what it is for her, but put it in the context of she wants to be sure that their voice is maintained and that they have control over their their assets. Uh, And while an inheritance is often nice, um, I don't think one should plan that. Uh, just like you wouldn't just want to put all of your retirement egg in selling your business if you own a business. But really think that that could be one element to perhaps make your retirement a bit easier. But really focus on what you have in hand and what you can do with the, the money that you have. And, and you're right, it is a challenge um, to find a way to save, but it, you know, it's dollar by dollar, step by step, and being really creative and thoughtful. Uh, particularly as we increase what we're earning to keep increasing what we're saving. We're speaking with Linda Descano from Women & Company. We're talking about women and money and some of the issues uh, tied towards how tough it is to talk about money. If you can talk about it, I think you can plan. If you can plan, I think you can retire. But it's just taking that first step is so brutal, Linda. Um, in well, the, it, the, the, uh, and not to interrupt, but I, I think you're right. A first step is often difficult, and but a good first step is often getting your financial paperwork organized so you can see where you are and that sense of empowerment uh, and control over at least knowing what you have in hand. Then you have something to use in order to begin to think about where you want to be. But very often, if we don't take stock of where we are today, uh, it's hard to know where you're going if you don't know your starting point. It, it's crazy and it's ludicrous to say this, but the first thing you have to do is come up, I think, with a budget. So I really like websites like Mint.com and uh, JustThrive.com because they give us tools to look at how much we have coming in versus how much we have going out. Um, are there any tools that women and company offer that are similar to budgeting, or do you recommend any sites? Well, um, I'm not in the position to influence any sites. I think the ones that you you know that you mentioned, it's um, they're great resources for women to look at. We do have a number of, of tools available on uh, our website, www.womenandco.com, uh, to help you uh, organize your financial paperwork, to think about your goals and priorities, because your spending plan or your budget should really be in sync with your savings plan, and they should reflect your goals. We also have some tools for thinking about where you are in your retirement and getting baseline on, you know, how much is enough for you? What is the number that makes sense for you given how you want to live in retirement? And maybe some tools to help you envision what a day in the life of your retirement is like and all designed to help you have a more informed conversation if you're working with a financial professional to help you not just base your retirement on the law of averages, but find a number that really, you know, and plan against a number that makes sense for you. But I think you're right. Having a budget, having a spending plan is key. But, again, you need to know where you are 
with uh, what you're spending, uh, what you have saved, and that's why your paperwork is so important. That's one of the things that I like about you in particular, Linda, is I, I hate to say this, but you're a woman. And I think the financial world needs more non-white men. Uh, we need more white women. We need more people of color talking about money because it's 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 all people like me and Jim Cramer, puffy white guys. And uh, it's it's tough to break in to find someone that you can relate to if it's just the puffy white guy talking financial. So I really like what you're doing at Women & Company. Well, thank you very much, Rob. You know, uh, we think it's important for both women and their families, spouse and partners, to be involved, and that that finance is not just about um, selling particular products or looking at one particular issue, but really taking a holistic view and looking at how finance intersects life and all how the different pieces of the financial pie fit together. And I think you can do that regardless of your gender or culture, but it's important to really need to shift the frame of reference and look holistically at your, your assets and your liabilities so you're really building a plan that is holistic and hopefully will give you a really com- a complete or more complete picture of where you're heading. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. It's Linda Descato from Women & Co., uh, you can find her online at womenandco.com, womenandco.com. Again, I don't care how you get to retirement. I want you to take that first step. And if if you're more comfortable with the environment of other women, that's a great site. It works for you, womenandco.com, womenandco.com. Now let's see if I can ruin all my credibility and go out with girls, girls, girls. Close. going to lose their shirt on the Olympics. Unseasonably warm weather is going to increase the chance of fog on the mountains. And it's tough to ski, you know, going 80 to 90 miles an hour down a mountain if you can't see where you're turning. I personally think that's even more entertaining if they can't see where they're going. In fact, I think they should be blindfolded to make it a little bit more competitive going, uh, you know, dancing around the ice rink and or running down the mountainside. So it's going to be a tough time. They're going to lose money hand over fist and it may be the all-time high bid for the olympics is done maybe we start going backwards sponsors don't like it anymore sponsors have been pulling out of them so lindsey vaughn who was on the cover of sports illustrated um basically kind of in a, a doggy style position skiing down the mountain um everyone's going oh it's so sexy they're 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 putting sex on the woman what's interesting to note about it was they did the same exact photo of a man 20 years ago and no one said anything about the man which you could um, anyway, I'm totally digressing. Let's bring in the one, the only Chad Burton, financial planner. How are you, Chad? Good, Rob. How are you? Good. You like my little analysis of the Olympics? I did. And I also like the, the line that you had at the end of the last hour too, where you said, if you're in a relationship where you're exchanging fluids, you better be comparing credit reports. You made me spit up my coffee a little bit. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's just as important as an HIV uh, test. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, if you're in a relationship where you're not exchanging fluid, you probably should get out of it. You said it, not me. <laughs> so, once again, we're we're off and running. 
There we go. So, topic for today is privately traded real estate. Um, Are you talking about private real estate investment trusts? Yeah, privately traded REITs. Um, And and there's other radio shows that are pretty prominent in the Bay Area that you got advisors pushing these things uh, pretty heavily. Um, one main radio show, I won't say the name, you can if you want to. But, um, Ray Lucia, he, he's a whore. He's a, a private real estate investment trust whore. Yeah, in the past, I don't know if they're going to do it going forward, but they typically, you hear him on the air talking about putting 20% into these types of deals. And I tell you what, I've never seen one work out. I've even, I even bought one for myself in 2004 that looked pretty darn good, and it recently went public at about, oh, about two-thirds of the price that really investors were, you know, uh, expecting. And that could change because it just IPO'd and the market's pretty tough on commercial REITs. But here's the deal. You buy these things and the share price stays the same until it goes public, until it goes like any other publicly traded real estate investment trust on the market. And it pays a nice solid dividend. And a lot of people like not looking at a share price that changes all the time. But so far, the IPOs on these things, every single one that I've seen has been, has been terrible. In fact, this one, um, unless the price of the REIT goes up, Investors are going to end up with about a 2% average rate of return versus 8% in a real estate investment trust index. And that's because when people are pushing it, these privately traded REIT deals, they're typically making a 7% commission, and the total fees up front in these things are 14%. So, you know, if, you, if your listeners are being pitched these privately traded REIT deals, I, I would be very, very wary. I would, not, I would not touch these things. So you're basically saying that, if someone did something similar to what you did, they would lose 14% up front, and then years later, it's going to be priced at one-third the value that you thought it was going to be. Well, in this case, no. They still gain back their their fees, their upfront fees that they okay. didn't really see in the first place. They still gain those back. They had a solid dividend the entire time, but the total rate of return, if they were to sell today, would be about 2%. So they'll have to wait. Investors that are in this thing would, would probably be wise to wait a little bit before they sold. But you would if you would have just gone into a real estate investment trust like RWR, a, a, you know, an, an index fund, um, you would have averaged about eight percent over that same period of time, and you could have sold it any time you want. Would it have been more volatile on paper? Heck yeah! But at this point in time, it looks like it would have been a better deal. What about other private deals like trust deed investments and and buying liens? You know, I mean, basically those things are very prominent in the Bay Area. You got a lot of situations where people were buying real estate and and they were trying to buy commercial properties especially, and either they didn't have enough credit history or enough business income or a good enough credit score to get a loan, so they'd go to these private trust deals. So you could invest in a private trust deed company and have a very, very nice income, you know, up well over 7%. Sometimes I've seen them up in in the teens. Well, as property values tanked, as the economy went into trouble, um, people that were getting you know, 10 12% dividends are now currently getting zero and wondering if they're going to get their money back. So these things, you know, they, they come out and they promise these high rate of returns. They seem very, very safe because they say, well, we're only loaning you know, 50% of the value of the property. So even if the guy goes under, you're going to be okay. Well, good luck selling the property. And who's saying they're only lending 50%? I mean, who's the outside party? valuing the property. And again, on one of these things, I've never seen somebody get a nice big fat dividend for a long period of time, get all their money back and be super happy. It's usually a big roller coaster ride and and only for maybe speculative money. And a lot of times it's being sold by people who have no financial credentials whatsoever, other than calling themselves a financial expert or financial coach or financial guru. Let's talk about taxes this year. It's an interesting year, Chad, because this is the year if you die... And you've got $100 million. You don't pay taxes on it. 
Yeah, that's crazy. So like my rich uncle, I've been feeding him bacon all year, trying to get him to die by the end of the year because <laughs> ne- next year my inheritance is going to be a little bit smaller. Yep. Now, there's still some states that have some state inheritance tax or state estate tax if you pass away. But yeah, this year and this year only, if you pass away, there's no federal estate tax. And I actually had a pretty uncomfortable conversation last week with somebody that was worth about $6 million that's been doing chemo for about two years and kind of tired of it anyways, and it's not something that's going to be curable. And he's probably going to stop because um, you know he's, got a, he's been a very charitable person, great person, uh, wealthy person, but gives a lot of money away. And he would rather have that money go on to his, uh, you know, his heirs so they can continue um, the, you know, the family foundation and everything else going forward. So he's likely going to make sure that he, he's planning on passing away before the end of the year, because what's going to happen next year or potentially sooner is that estate taxes will go back down to three and a half million. So if you're a person with three and a half million or under, you're probably going to be okay at the federal level. But starting next year, if you're worth over three and a half million and you need that, you're going to pay a 45% tax on the overage. Interesting time, Chad, because a lot of people are waiting for real estate to get better or waiting for the stock market to show more strength. A lot of waiting around. What's your thoughts on waiting around? Well, you know, here's the deal on real estate. I mean, you've got you've got two things going. I mean, a lot of property people are slightly upside down or upside down on the property. So, they're, well, I'm going to wait to sell so I don't take a loss or so I don't have to short sell. But odds are is that interest rates are going to be higher in a year or two, even if real estate prices are higher. So you've got you know, two things that people look at when they buy real estate. They look at the price, but they also look at what their monthly payments are because nobody typically buys in cash. So a lot of times the monthly payment drives the purchase more than the value does. So if the value goes up slightly, but interest rates go up by, you know, 2% or something like that, then that house is harder to sell. So if you've got a gain in a real estate property, or let's say you've got a gain in a stock that you want to, you know, you want to sell, let's say your company stock that you own, through your employee stock purchase plan, maybe it's more than 10% of your portfolio, or you've got a real estate property that has a gain you know you want to sell in the next two years. Well, guess what? At the end of 2010, tax the federal capital gains bracket goes from 15% back up to 20%. So you're going to lose 5% in taxes right there. So you really have to kind of do a you know list of pros and cons by waiting to sell either that stock or that piece of property So um, and just realizing that Uncle Sam's going to get 5% more next year no matter what. A lot of people are asking on the live blog, Chad, were you named after Chad Everett and or was it Chad Wiki, the 17th century dictator of England? It was Chad Everett. By the way. <laughs> it was actually Chad Everett. That's so embarrassing. You should never, ever tell that story again. So what was it? It's like he was, uh, gosh, some sort of a emergency room show or medical something center. like that, a doctor at the time. Yeah, yeah medical okay. center. He, yeah. Was, he was the hunky George Clooney of ER before there was a hunky George Clooney. I'm not too embarrassed with the story, I guess. I mean, it's what? too old for most people I know to remember him. I would run and hide from that story. <laughs> Thanks. I will now. I'll never admit it on air again. Thanks very much. It's Chad Burton. To get your, call- to get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Ow, ow, ow. Now, 
Another case of global warming. Washington, D.C. has been hit by the most snow ever on record. There you go. There's my political statement of the day. 800-345-5639. I'm not really sure why we're all so worried about global warming when this planet's going to go hurtling into the sun at some point. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I hug trees, too. I love trees. I hate vines, though. I'm a vine killer. Love killing vines. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Google. You've heard about Google getting into this whole internet thing. They're going to offer speeds a thousand times faster than what AT&T, Verizon, and or AT&T, Verizon, or, or what Comcast are currently offering. It's not going to happen. Now, for them to build out a network to cover fifty to 500,000 people, it's going to cost anywhere between $500 million to $1.6 billion. What Google's trying to do is trying to get AT&T and Verizon and Comcast to speed their upgrades. Google's got the cash to do this. They got, I think, what, $50 billion in cash right now? $25 billion. They got the cash reserves. Microsoft can do it, too. And what's interesting to note about that is Facebook has 400 million users on it right now. 400 million. If Facebook develops a, a search engine, Google would lose a lot of search, and that's how they make their money. Google's tried to get into other businesses, so far pretty much so unsuccessfully as far as revenue generators. So Google, if they can own the land, or they can own the roads, that's probably the better way of looking at it for the internet superhighway, they can, you know, you know watch their own costs as well as encourage more cool applications. So I see why they're trying to do it. I think the reality is that they're not going to do it. I think the win-win situation for them is that they would wire San Francisco into super fast broadband. and We'd all start using it and we'd come up with cool applications. And uh, long story short, America would fall in love with San Francisco. They would say, they've got internet that's 100 times faster than me. I want it. And that would force AT&T and Comcast and other companies to get that super fast. Did you see where that could go for them? And again, the faster the internet, the faster they uh, can deliver goods to to be consumed. We'll see. We'll see. Again, I don't really believe that they're going to become an ISP in any way, shape, and or form. Paramount. Improved profitability. Speak English, Rob. Improved profitability. Helped drive some strong, strong numbers at Paramount, which helped Paramount's a division of Viacom. I bring this story up because it's easy for you to understand. The movie Paranormal Activity, wildly, wildly overrated. It was more creepy than scary, but I didn't get it. I don't get what the phenomenon was about that. I watched that the other night, and I was, like, terribly disappointed. Anyway, um, that's their product. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, that's their product. Megan Fox has got the weird, freaky finger thing. No one cares because they look at the rest of her, not her weird, freaky finger thing. Um, Transformers Revenge, a huge movie for Paramount. Star Trek, huge movie for Paramount. Very profitable summer. Very profitable. Now, they didn't do so good with, you know, Rock Band. Rock Band's kind of challenged at this point in time. I bring that story up because it's easy for us to understand. Now, Toyota's out in the news today yet again. Toot, toot, yeah, beep, beep, Toyota. Um, why didn't even recall crisis going on? Troubled Automaker says that it's moving closer to adopting some changes on the keyless starter systems. Now, they said they've moved closer to adopting changes in its push-button ignition system to give drivers an added margin of safety if their vehicles accelerate out of control. 
a lot of people don't know what to do if your vehicle starts accelerating out of control when you have a push-button system. In the push-button system, you're supposed to hit the button for three seconds and it'll automatically turn off. Could have saved lives, but we panic. We, we try to downshift. We try to turn the key off, but it's a push-button key now. So it's not as easy as it used to be. Now, Toyota and Lexus vehicles with push-button starters can be shut off by pushing and depressing and holding. So hopefully I saved someone's lives today. And if I saved your life today, you got a Toyota and it starts over-accelerating on you, I want you to name your kid after me. But I don't want you to name Rob or Francis. God, I hate my middle name. Um, I want you to name him robblack.com. Robblack.com. So I don't think that's too tacky. And if you loved me, you would do it. So anyway, um, you can name him robblack.com Danger and then whatever your last name is because Danger is a middle name. is cool. It's cool. So... How cool is it to have dangerous middle name? Because ultimately, let's say you're 18 years old. You could talk to anyone you want in the bar. You've got the best opening line possible. Danger is my middle name. I thought I'd come over and say hello. And she'll go, danger's not your middle name. And you'll pull out your driver's license and bam, you got her. The conversation's gone on for more than 15 seconds. She's hooked. She's intrigued. Why would someone name their kid danger? Anyway, um, this whole Toyota story, I was doing a little research on it today on the, on the starter systems. I went a little bit back in time, back to November 8, 2009. So a couple months ago, there was a big article in the LA Times about how a 1,000 Toyota and Lexus owners have reported accelerating vehicles, and they've been accelerating in their own, and they're slamming into trees, parked cars, bricked walls. Some of them are going off the sides of mountains and into the, into the ocean beneath. What's interesting to note about that is this story had a lot more hair a long time ago and we in the media just kind of glossed over it. Now, it, it's gotten ridiculous in the last 15 days. But there was, there was a pretty good story there back in November of 2009. I didn't know that. Like, I've got such short-term memory issues that it doesn't feel right. Foreclosure activity. I'm just going through random news right now. Random, but yet financial. Keep that in mind. Foreclosure activity decreased 10% in the month of January. A decrease of 10% from the previous month, but still up 15% from the same period in 2009. So maybe on a, a, a month-to-month basis, foreclosures starting slow. It's really tough to tell, though, because we don't know what the inventory of banks is, what the shadow inventory is, how many homes are in foreclosure, that they're just you know not foreclosing because they don't have the time, the processors, or anything along those lines. So don't get too excited about real estate. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I think if history repeats itself, in fact, you're going to see the numbers over the next few months surge as lenders foreclose on delinquent loans where neither the existing loan modification programs or the new short sale rules or deed in lieu of foreclosure alternatives work. Now, foreclosures in the United States makes me think of China. I know you're saying, really? It's bad here. It's good in China, right? Things are going good in China. China reported a surge in bank lending and sharply raised, rising property prices. So um, easy credit's been the key driver. Easy credit was what drove our real estate boom and bust. It's what's driving China's boom. Is it going to be a bust is the question. The Central Bank of China reported that the measure of money supply surged 39% in January. It's fastest increase in at least a decade. If you look at China right now, their, their economy is really chugging. They're, they're saying they have a shortage of, of metal crates to put stuff that they're making into to ship it out of the country and exports. So loose money has enabled developers to build more housing, to encourage more households to buy. Loose money has helped encourage manufacturing, um, which has helped encourage workers to you know use their paycheck. So 
China's got a little bit of a boom going on. Will it end in a bust? Question mark. Um, and, and from the file of no one really cares anymore, Alcatel Lucent. They just reported earnings and they missed earnings expectations. What's stunning, this is a $20 billion company. It's $20 billion. Revenues last year were twenty, almost $21 billion. And the company can't earn money. It's, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So, or when they do earn money, it's like a penny. I mean a penny. Just a little penny. So I, I report them as dead. Oftentimes I'll tell people, you're dead to me. I'm all dramatic. When I leave a radio station, I'll go, you're dead to me. I'll never talk to you again. You're dead to me. Anyway, so Alcatel Lucent trims their 2010 margin target, and I just don't care anymore. This was an interesting story that I, I put together. Um, climbers who want to make the final spine-tingling scramble 400 feet up the summit of Half Dome are going to have to get permits before they climb the summer. So Half Dome is starting to become tougher to climb. Four deaths in the past four years has con- have convinced Yosemite officials that something had to be done to you know, the weekend gridlock. On the final ascent, if you've ever been into the final 400 feet, it's ridiculous. There's hundreds of people waiting to climb 400 feet. And it it feels like McDonald's on top of the most beautiful mountain in the world because you're like, you're stuck with hundreds and hundreds of people. People are jockeying for position on the cables. Now, what should be the highlight of the grueling 17-mile round-trip hike, it's often become a terrifying fight for survival, which I think is fun. I think we should grease the final 400 feet of Half Dome and make it more competitive to get to the top. People have to wait at the base for 400 feet of climbing, two to three hours. So they're going to try to figure out, weed this out with by issuing permits. Permits will be checked by rangers starting May 21 through the middle of October. Permit system was necessary because of an erroneous, enormous increase in the number of people scrambling up. Last year, about 84,000 people climbed Half Dome, the final ascent. So, um... A lot of visitors are starting to, there's a little bit of a surge right now going on of going to national parks because it's it's cheaper entertainment, so to speak. So four people tumbled to their death since 1996. Last year, a software engineer out of San Ramon lost his grip and, and tumbled to his death. That'd be a horrible way to die, right? Falling off a mountain. I wouldn't mind getting eaten by a shark, but falling off a mountain, no thank you. So, or worse yet, falling off a mountain and living with debilitating injuries. I would kind of suck, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Uh, debilitating injuries, I'd rather take death. Me, I'd rather take death. Um, to get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. We've got about 50 seconds. It'll be an awful, awful call segment. But if you want to call right now, 800-345-5639. If you don't want to call now, call tomorrow, 800-345-5639. And keep in mind, you can always contact me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I've got a Facebook page. Um, It's under the group. Don't try to be my friend because I have no friends. I can count on a nine-fingered hand how many friends I have. I've got nine friends. So don't try to be my friend. But there's a group there called I Hate Rob Black. Um, It's a fan group. So um, join that, and you can ask me questions via that as well. So I've got a Twitter account, Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. What else do I have? I think that about sums up everything. Tomorrow, Dan Rusnowski. Is it Friday already? Loving it. Loving it. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Three. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.